Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Well, thank you for joining us today, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I am so happy to have my guest, Manya Horner, here today. And so thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Erin. I've been a fan of you and your work, so it's a pleasure to be recording one of our conversations. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. So I will say before we started recording, uh, I was getting a little technical help from Manya. I am I am still new to this stuff using Zoom and my uh, little uh, microphone that I had to fiddle with before we started recording, but I know we're going to have a great conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has so much wealth of experience to share with you. And one of the things I just wanted to mention, she has the most beautiful photographs on your website. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. And I have so an I, amazing photographer friend. I, I can tell that you do. And I have had my photo session misadventures lately. I use, you know, uh, I've always used a, a photographer, but yeah. the last two, like four years ago and two years ago, went into the studio with someone who you know, was really good and kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this time, this last round, I did this winter. I'm like, well, I want some at my house, in my office. And I live in a rural area. And so I didn't want to like pay like a gazillion dollars for someone mm-hmm. to come out here. So I hired someone local and, uh, oh, it was it was just a miss. I mean, there's nothing Aww. else to say about it, you know, like out of the 200 or so, you know, images, like there's like five that I like, okay, oh. I guess we can kind of use this one. Oh, and, too uh, bad. So, yeah, but it's, it's one of those, you get what you pay for kind of thing. So you do, we have an amazing <laughs> local group of businesses and entrepreneurs in my area, even though it's a small town mm-hmm. east of Toronto, we mm-hmm. have a lot of awesome talent out here. So I do have a a really great friend and she's a mom like me, our kids around the same age. And she says, I don't do much photography anymore, but I'm like, dust off your camera. I've put on some makeup. Let's do some pictures. Uh And, um, we always have a great time doing it. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say that mine is a local mom, but she, Mm -hmm. it was part-time gig and it's her thing. And we had a great time, but yeah, yeah, the end result wasn't wasn't all. No, my girl's (laughs) a super pro, super pro. She's done like, you know, if she was still working professionally, I would not be able to afford her. So I'm grateful that she's my friend. (laughs) I need to to find one of those. That is fantastic. So I would like you to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us about who you are, what you do, who you serve. Sounds amazing. Well, thanks for giving me the platform to speak. So my name's Manya Horner. You know, first off, I'm a very curious person. 
and I love to learn. I love to absorb tons and tons of information. And this has led me to the world of learning design and development. I'm, you know, so interested in a ton of different topics. And I love that I get to serve people um, in a couple of different ways. So one is through my business, Boost Learning Design, boostld.com. You can find me there. And what I'm doing in this place is serving entrepreneurs who have found themselves needing to create a course, a membership, or some sort of learning offer for their audience, either because that's the core of what they do or because it's an additional revenue stream. And it's a way to teach other people based on their thought leadership or their intellectual property. So I have a learning community that's developing and a course that's available to help people create better learning experiences. And I'll say like, why me? Like, why did I bother getting into this? Um, well, I've always been in learning design and facilitation. I started actually as a music teacher. I'm a violinist and I've been, you know, like through the corporate world as an instructional designer and freelancing and helping entrepreneurs through my business boost. And most recently working for Practica Learning as a consultant there. And I'm helping people develop conversation skills within their employees. So it's been a whole journey, but one thing that is common that makes me different from a lot of the other online course creator people is that I do have a really deep knowledge about how adults learn, how to create learning experiences that are engaging, that are bingeable, that are finishable, how to cut things back to the basics so people really get what they need out of your learning. And most importantly, how to develop people's skills. Because in 2022, people do not need more information. We are bombarded, but people do want transformation. <clears throat> so if you want to be a transformative educator, there are some, some things you have to do. Otherwise, it's just another information dump. And people are grossly disappointed by that when they buy your course and it's just more info. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, there's two sides of it that has been a personal frustration of mine as a consumer of courses, mm -hmm. of, you know, them just like never finishing them, just being like when I see an agenda, let's say I see a course agenda and it's like got like a hundred modules. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I just need to get what I need to get and move on. And mm -hmm. so that, you know, that is, you know, obviously a huge um, uh, turnoff for me. And as a consumer of course creator courses, if I can say it yep. that way. Very uh, meta. <laughs> yes, very meta. Total fail for me, honestly. And we're going to talk about this. I was 100% yes. the wrong person to try and create a course. Like I do one-on-one. -on -one. Like what am I doing making a course? And so tell us about, one, like when is the right time for someone to create a course and when they're consuming courses, like what should they be looking for? So address both sides of that. Okay. So the right time. It's interesting because there's been this messaging, right? In the internets and the Instagrams and all the whatever that everybody should be a course creator because it's the best and quickest and fastest way to grow your seven figure business. And it's such a load of <laughs> crap, right? And so the right time is when your clients are asking for it. Okay. So there's a couple of different reasons why you should create learning. Okay. So one, let's just say scenario a, you are 
a business owner and you, um, you know, you do service-based business and you've been doing, you know, retainer or consulting or coaching or, or something, and you've got all this content and a process and experience that, you know, works, and you can really clearly identify the transformation from A to B or A to Z with your clients. And you've got that written down. It's a clear process. You know, all the tools you're doing, but you have no more capacity to work with people one-on-one. So if that happens and you need a more affordable option for people and you know that your system or your process or your framework can work without you, it's ready to turn into a course. And when I say course, it's kind of frustrating because it might not necessarily be like a 10 module course. It might be some sort of like membership or resource bank, or it might be like a step-by-step something with tools attached that you email to people. I mean, it can look so different. It could even be a workshop that you deliver. So there's a lot of different delivery models for your training. So that might be one way to know the time is right. When your customer base or your prospect base is asking for it, either because you just can't fulfill them anymore as a one-on-one and you need to kind of multiply or scale your ability to reach people. Or the other is your client base is asking like, Hey, we would love to learn this from you. How can we learn this from you? Or your framework works so well. Tell us how we can, you know, get a piece of this. That might be a great time to go, right. I've got something here that I know can work without me. And Mm -hmm. so I can create a course around this. I think I want to go back to what should someone have in place? Because I think the other thing to know it's the right time is that, okay. So one, you've got your thought leadership really clearly mapped out. So that means you've written down your process, you know, your system, you know, your framework, it's proprietary to you. You've got your own tools and templates. So it's not like you're borrowing stuff from somebody else who, you know, works, but you've got your own thing and it works without you. You need to have that clear. The second is your client base. So do you have, you know, a client base that actually is interested in buying this? Do, do you have a client base big enough to make, you know, that you can put through a pilot and test something out? And the third is, do you know how those clients want to consume your content? Is it through a monthly membership where you walk them through something over the course of a year, or is it just a small, you know, four module course that teaches somebody something in a weekend, or is it a workshop you deliver or an in-person retreat? So like, there's a, there's about three things you want to know about your thought leadership, your client base. Do they want it and get a sense of the delivery model? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to comment to a couple of things that you said. One is, of course, that uh, your material has to be proprietary to you, mm-hmm. which is, you know, super important and not something that everyone thinks about. Because when you're sometimes when, well, one, if you are using a third party's materials, say, I think trusted advisor is one of those. There's a couple of those things that people might get certified in and they can deliver that material directly. But obviously they can then teach that to other people. And also, if you happen to have, you know, some material that you don't actually have the right to use, but just no one's noticed because it's just internal. Nobody sees it. You know, you have it and you use it. Maybe it's from an old employer and you mm-hmm. just no one's noticing. But once you start teaching it to other people, then suddenly, you know, there's that increased visibility there. Oh, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that you can get into trouble with. Uh, so, yes, making sure that you own everything. And the other is yeah. that I, I like that, you know, there's more than one way to look at 
how you deliver. Because I personally, you know, my experience now is that I will never take a course, like just mm-hmm. will not do it. Mm-hmm. But um, and so I'm looking for a more intimate, you know, type of experience um, and, uh, you know, with the expert or the authority that's teaching it. So either, you know, coaching or or mastermind. And so, mm-hmm. to, yeah, to think more expansively about what it means to deliver training or deliver a course. I think that's great. Yeah. And as we, as you were talking about that, and I'll come back to this, never wanting to take a course again, because I think there's becoming a huge problem industry-wide that people are a little gun shy about taking Mm -hmm. courses. And so we'll get into that. But the second reason why somebody might decide, actually, I want to create a course or I want to create training is if they want to reach a more corporate audience. So sometimes people can impact employees of companies rather than being direct B to B. So instead of me being, okay, Aaron, I'm trying to sell you a course as a female entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. maybe I might be saying, I want to go and support a whole bunch of employees at X company Mm -hmm. because my method will work really well for employee training. So that might be another reason why, you know, you, you want to take what you do and help employees. And that requires, again, some consulting because, mm-hmm. um, corporations can only buy content in certain ways. And it's helpful to have some insight into how they can actually make that purchase for their employees. Mm-hmm. Um, so another reason why, but I just want to cycle back to that. Cause not only is it B to B course sales, sometimes it's B to C mm-hmm. and you white label or you, you know, train other employees and your audience might do that as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. Hey everyone, a quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at thinkbeyondip.com. Now, back to the show. And so, uh, when one's, when is one is looking at and evaluating, taking a course or type of training, like, is there something that we can see to see, like, this is going to be valuable to us that we don't have this experience that I've unfortunately had. Yeah. Like I love this question and I have fallen prey to purchasing (laughs) courses, especially in the last couple of years, as I exited like freelance corporate world. And I got into this online business world. I'm like, okay, I need to know all the things. How do I make email funnels? How do I be a digital marketer? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm like, Ooh, there's all these courses with super slick marketing and like very calculated sales funnels and psychology and we can easily fall into that trap of this looks shiny. This looks like it's going to get me exactly what I need. So I need to buy this, but that's again, where we need to be careful. Um, as course creators, we need to be on the other side of that saying, okay, am I promising the world of my marketing? And then am I able to deliver that through my course itself? So there's kind of two prongs to this. I think if you're just starting out and your budget is low and it's more affordable for you to buy something for $900 and work your way through it carefully, as opposed to spending 10,000 working as a VIP client with that person. That Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense, right? Because 
when you're starting out, you might need to just generally learn stuff. So courses are a good way to do that. But I do think once you get beyond a certain point in your business, um, you're like, let me just cut to the chase and hire this person. (laughs) Right. And you're probably more inclined to buy the done for you or the implementation services. So do I ever want to make a sales funnel again? Maybe not. I might be hiring somebody who's really good at copywriting (laughs) to do that for me. But when I'm looking for a course, I don't know, it's unique to each person. When I'm looking for a course, I'm looking for something that has a lot of actionable stuff in it. So if there's a series of exercises throughout the period of time that I get to apply directly to my situation, that for me is worth doing. So I've taken a couple of uh, one really great PR course, for example, um, sidelines to headlines. And that is like, the first step is you make your boilerplate. And the next thing is you do your this, and then you do your media kit. And then you have your list. Like it's so, um, so exercise based that as long as I'm sitting there and like doing the work, I can get a great result from the course. So I'm looking for something where it helps me take action for my own business. It's relevant to me at the time and it's directly connected to what I'm doing and it drives action for me and my business because transformation is not going to happen just by consuming it. It's going to happen by me actually doing the exercises and making the things for my own business. So I'm looking for something that drives action. Got it. Yeah. I, uh, I only, I mean, I, there certainly will be, I, I imagine yeah. you know, exactly what you mentioned. Like there's something that I need to learn a little about and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be an expert in it, but let me just get a little bit of pointers. Um, Mm -hmm. and I will, I will be more mindful of these things (laughs) the next time. And, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's good to see what the freebie content is from the individual. Like, Mm -hmm. um, do you get a lot of value from their podcast or do you get a lot of value from their YouTube channel? Like if you're getting value out of these small snippets from them, then hopefully if their course is well-prepared, it will guide you through in a more like, you know, end to end way, but man, it's hard to cut through the marketing stuff and, you know, look for testimonials or referrals. I've thought of joining a few big programs before, and I actually looked for on their website at the client testimonials. Mm -hmm. And I actually reached out to those people by email or by Instagram and said, Hey, I see you've reviewed this course. I'm looking for some like really honest feedback in particular areas. Could you give me that? And sometimes people do, sometimes you get ignored and you wonder, okay, do these people even exist? And other times you get somebody, you know, come back through Instagram and you can actually have some conversation with them. So yeah, like, don't be, don't hesitate to get on those sales calls and ask the questions. Cause I think we, we should be more discerning as buyers. Well, that's a great, I, you know, that's, that's a great comment to make. Cause I, I know that, you know, we think about that course purchases kind of just, you know, we're uh, automatically driven, like funnel driven, and not that we're going to get on a sales call. We don't expect a course creator to get on a sales call with us, but we do need to do our homework, especially if we're mm-hmm. you know, investing for, you know, that, you know, figures into their course. Yeah. Um, there's no reason for us not to expect to get a little more information. Well, and most, most course creators, unless they're selling like you know, 10 million per launch. <laughs> most, most <laughs> course creators are happy to jump on a phone call or they have like some people who are on their team that will do these 15 minute, you know, question calls, especially if the course is over a thousand, if it's 2000 or a program that's like 6,000, like you should be able to ask questions. Otherwise that might be a red flag. 
but we have to try to find ways now, I think, to see past the fancy network or like email funnels right? and <laughs> dig into, is this thing going to actually give me what I want out of it? And for me, that's always taking action. So I don't know. That's what I'm looking for. I love that. Yeah. I remember that. I will say I'm <laughs> one of those. That's oh, the funnel people. I know. Uh, I know. I will. <laughs> I will. So you use the term learning designer. Tell me what that is. Yeah. So there's a couple different terms in the um, learning world. One is instructional designer, and that's a person who can, you know, create the learning activities. So let's just say, um, if this is in a, in, in a business environment, it's like, okay, we know we want to make a course that has this specific outcome and here's the learning objectives we want. Now we're hiring you as an instructional designer to create this workshop. And so you're handed sort of like the objectives and then you just go and you, you create the activities and then you come back and say, here it is. They create often like tests or assessments and um, make sure that the learning can be measured. So that's an instructional designer. A learning experience designer is somebody who more broadly thinks about the whole experience. So the end-to-end kind of engagement throughout the learning journey towards the end and kind of thinks of it in a circular loop. They might also consider how is this being communicated to the learner or how are we driving accountability in this program to help people get it done. So like a learning experience designer or a learning designer is the person who creates the whole learning experience, which is activities that they have to do, um, assessment to see, are they getting it? Are they understanding marketing to encourage people to continue going through, um, holding people accountable, collecting feedback. You know, there's a lot of pieces to a learning journey, um, you know, including sustainment. How do we check up and see if they're still taking action afterwards? And um, so, yeah, it's really that person who thinks about the whole experience and carefully creates all of the aspects of that experience. It's a whole profession. It is. That's a, it is. Yeah. I've not heard of that before. And, and, and that is yeah, it's a whole profession. And this is, this is why, like, I don't mm-hmm. want people to ever feel offended by their own inability to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like you should never be like, oh, I'm a loser. I can't create a course. I don't know how to do it. It's like, it's a whole profession. Like I actually just recently contributed to a major university here in Toronto, um, I was one of the program advisors for a new learning experience designer role. And it was like a continuing education training. I'm like, this is a whole thing. (laughs) This is a whole university course. Like, don't be offended by this friends. You know, if you're hearing this now and it's something you really have been dreaming of and want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we, some of us do fall into that, you know, DIY trap of thinking that we can do all the things. And of course we can't. And, uh, and we have experts because they've got the expertise, which is what, what we love about them. Speaking of contributions, I know you're a big fan of collaborations and that that's part of the work that you do. Tell us about how you uh, encourage collaborations in the, in the learning community. Okay. I love collaboration. Um, to me, if two or more people can get together and multiply the results of their collective client. That brings me so much joy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm just finding that women business owners right now are so collaborative. There doesn't seem to be as much competition as I was maybe expecting there might be in the online business space, seeing lots of collaboration. And one of the ways that I'm trying to foster that is 
through the Boost Learning community. So right now it's in its baby, baby stages um, as a LinkedIn group with as much resources as possible. And I'm really excited about seeing how this community will organically grow. It's free to join. So we'll, we can include that link for anybody who's, you know, wanting to create learning in their own business. Please do join. Um, there's so many pieces to creating a course. And I have a great blog post. The course is just the tip of the iceberg. There's all this other stuff underlying, you know, your, your audience, your sales model, your marketing, your tech, like there's tons and tons to know. And the best way to do that is by having a supportive community where you can collaborate with other great copywriters, other learning designers, people who create great workbooks, you know, individuals who can support you in the design piece, in the tech piece, in the sales. There's so many different things that you can learn from others. And um, if you're discerning again, you can pick and choose what's best for you and your audience. So collaboration is totally possible. It's a great idea in this space because there's a lot of moving pieces to creating courses and, and other learning offers. Yeah, I like that. And I, I do see it as well or two um, experts coming together to jointly develop a program that they offer. Of course, they double their uh, audience when they're promoting it and they're bringing together two, two areas of expertise to the, you know, to kind of bundle it together to get even greater results for their students. And uh, as well as people who have, um, let's say they have a mastermind and they bring in, you know, guest experts to talk about a particular area of expertise. And because, uh, you know, even, you know, within our own areas, there'll be some kind of niche area, you know, hyper specialization yeah. that you can bring in another expert and uh, and really just help help magnify those those results. I love that. And so let's let's dive into like what's a really interesting or creative way that you can collaborate with somebody and you know, maybe even experience more passive income results. So this is something I'm curious about because passive income is a hot buzzword, right? In this industry, it's like, oh, you want to sit on the beach and like be making all this cash just flowing in while you're there. Okay. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And let's also be realistic when you're starting out. Um, there's things that you can do to move towards that dream. Okay. So one of them is in, in terms of collaboration, you can actually take your course and you can license it. Um, and you can collaborate in that way, even if you're not the face of it. So you can include or sell your content to somebody else who sells it for you as part of their program or part of their membership, um, or part of their group coaching program, or even their own you know, learning marketplace, because there's websites and marketplaces where you can sell your course. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's different ways of getting your content out there that don't require you to be, you know, like hustling for the sales or doing live launches. There's a lot of different ways of selling. Mm -hmm. So collaboration through sales is excellent. It's a good way to organically grow um, your audience and your sales. Mm -hmm. And that's one way that I've chosen actually to sell my course is um, through this licensed partnership. So a business coach or a sales coach can purchase my course and they can include it in their program. And it's really easy for them to integrate. There's no work on their behalf, but what it does do is it gives their clients an opportunity to have kind of trusted access 
to a, a course that helps them create their offer. Um, so yeah, it's a good way to leverage someone else's expertise. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, cause basically you have a whole team of salespeople out there selling your course without you having, I mean, that is yeah. a, a excellent way to add leverage. I mean, when you mm -hmm. mentioned passive income is passive income really passive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to think of it as maybe, maybe more, um, peaceful. <laughs> or um passive with a small p you know there's there's still <laughs> there's still work to be done i mean and uh but what's cool is if you have created something with the intention of it becoming passive then you know eventually you'll get there so the timeline may be a little longer than what you're seeing promised in some of these sponsored instagram ads like passive income in 90 days I'm not sure that's possible. It hasn't worked for me right. and I'm, you know, smart and know how to do this stuff and it hasn't worked for me, but that does not mean it won't work for someone else. But let's talk about what is the way you can become, you know, can you get to this passive income goal? Cause I think it's possible. So, um, if you have an intention of, I don't want to be fulfilling a service, I want something that can be a product that can sell without me directly having to sell it. It doesn't mean nobody's selling it. Somebody still has to sell it, <laughs> but um, you can set it up. So create a, create a course that can be a product. Mm -hmm. Create something that doesn't, that once it's made, you're maybe tweaking and maintaining and, you know, monitoring, but that you're not actively having to, you know, teach people every single time. So look for something that becomes more of a product, less of a service. And then think of a sales model that will be more passive. So some of them that are more passive is evergreen. Um, that means you have it available to per for clients to purchase or customers to purchase anytime. It's not like a cohort base. So that example would be um, September the 20th, we're launching doors open to such and such a program and you gather a wait list and you do all this like effort until you launch and doors open and everybody's in there and then you're exhausted that would be not a very passive sales model. So evergreen means it's always there. It's always available. And you probably have some fancy sales funnel, like a quiz that leads them to a nurture thing that leads them to videos. And then it leads them to, Oh, by the way, buy this course. So, you know, that that's an evergreen, um, other more passive sales efforts are the ones where I mentioned, like you might, you might make, let's say five partnerships, and then your course is available to each of those five. And they each have a hundred students. So now all of a sudden you've got 500 students, but you made five sales. So there's that, that would be more passive. Right. Um, yeah. So there's ways you have to get creative and then don't expect it to happen immediately and keep making an amazing product and tweaking and maintaining so that you, you generate more word of mouth referral, better testimonials, because that can help a lot. Yeah. I mean, I kind of look at it as the Picasso story, where someone comes up to Picasso and asks him to draw something on a napkin. And so he draws whatever, then he hands it. And he's like, that'll be, you know, a million bucks or five, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what? You just drew this, you know, it took you 10 seconds to draw this on a napkin. Yeah, but it, it took me a whole lifetime to become, you know, Picasso and develop my art. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the same thing with uh, your passive income. Like, you know, yes, you can create this wonderful product, but in order for that to happen, have any value, all the things that you mentioned at the beginning 
of the interview have to be in place first. <laughs> like first you have to have that audience and that proprietary method and that, you know, all those things, the ex expertise, all of that stuff had to come before in order for you to be able to build a product that you can then, you know, kind of set that up for. So that's exactly right. And like, there's lots of ways to have passive income too, right? <laughs> Just in general, like when I owned rental properties and I had a property manager, that was passive income. I had somebody operating that thing. So you can be an owner. You don't have to operate. So I think to me, passive income comes when you are not operating the thing. So you can set up a team, you can train coaches to deliver your content. So you never deliver it again. You know, there's lots of ways you just have to think bigger and look at how big businesses are doing it. How are people doing it where they just own, but they're not operating. Um, so yeah, I could talk a lot about that because I, I do explore passive income as a topic a lot in different industries. I mean, you can own a vending machine and that's passive income. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. I think very few people think of an employee as passive income, but it is. I mean, yeah. it's, it's somebody yeah. else doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> like if you don't want to be a business coach, yeah. have an awesome method and train 10 people to be coaches for you. Now, all of a sudden that is a passive income stream. And even better, if you have a CEO in place, who's running it for yeah. you. Yeah. Ownership <laughs> is the ultimate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to remember that one. Okay. I think more like that. I, I try to think of how can I be an owner and my intellectual property is captured and leveraged by other people who are actually better at it than me, better at selling it than me. Mm -hmm. I like that. I've never talked about IP in that way. Mm. I was talking about like, you know, as you know, literally leveraging the intellectual property asset, like mm -hmm. you know, that, that way, but not as when you're the owner, it's kind of like, you know, owning that rental property and looking at it that way. I mean, I'm going to start, mm -hmm. start writing about it that way too. You mentioned launches. I mean, I remember, you know, going back 10, 15 years when it used to be all about the six figure launch. Like it had to be, you know, this, this huge thing, the wait list, the whole thing. And I imagine it's not that way anymore. Like what's happening or launch is still a thing or is it just kind of, you know? Yeah, I still do see a lot of launches. Um, I don't prefer launches. Like they, they feel like really big and really stressful for me. They're not my preferred way, but they are a great way and people do sell and people do get results. Although I'm noticing even some of the big, big like guru people are shifting things this year. I'm noticing in their content marketing, I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe the launches aren't going as well as you had wanted them to anymore. Maybe people are getting tired of this and I'm seeing more, um, like more memberships coming up, more mm -hmm. subscription type things that are lower price point, um, really handhold people, create more community. So like I'm seeing other types of models um, emerging, even in 2022, like some big name programs are shifting. So I'm curious and I don't have enough data to write on like, you know, trends for the rest of the year or next year, but I'm just kind of quietly observing what are the big players doing? Um, but yes, absolutely. People are still doing launches. I'm still seeing tons of launches, so it's working. It's working mm -hmm. for people. Um, but you know, within it, it's really about like, have you created a community or, um, an audience around you that wants what you're buying because the best place to get sales for your launches or for any of your offers are through your existing warm audience, your email list. 
Mm-hmm. I think the email list is still really important. Right. Got it. Well, that brings us to, I mean, maybe this is connected to the change in, you know, whatever this subtle shift may be from the launch to the membership and subscription base, which is, you know, the hourly exit podcast is about kind of that journey from that unsustainable kind of hourly based type of, you know, less predictable income stream to one that is, you know, sustainable and scalable. And so when I think about, you know, the difference between a launch and kind of going all in, you have a bad launch, then what do you do, right? You got to wait another six months or a year mm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Versus having a subscription model, which is, you know, you have that recurring monthly, monthly recurring revenue that is very predictable and evening out your revenue streams. When we look at the saleable services business, uh, we look at that exclusivity piece um, like what, what do you own that nobody else owns? And we've talked quite a bit about intellectual property as well as the, the, our positioning and also the predictability. Like mm-hmm. what, you know, if a, a company was to buy your business, could they replicate the success mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. have? And so when we think about, you know, building a saleable business, like where do you think courses fit into kind of that analysis of building a business that you could sell someday? Um, this is a great question and it's been on my mind a lot. Um, there's a book called built to sell. You probably know it. And I read that recently and that has actually, you know, really impacted my thinking going forward, because in that I realized I want to be able to build something that is very easily replicated by my team. So can I hire three learning designers to do this one thing that we do? Do I have a playbook that walks them step-by-step through the way we do it? Do I have salespeople that can easily sell this one thing that we do? And um, that to me is an interesting way to at least start because I do want to have people that can read the playbook and, and, you know, and facilitate it or do it. So I think we have to more consciously build systems within our business um, where it becomes easily uh, fulfilled by people on our team, or we have a product that although we may be maintaining it or updating or iterating based on feedback and data, it's something that can be sold. Um, So yeah, I've had this, I've had this conversation as well with um, my part-time CFO who supports me. And, you know, a lot of our conversation is where do we keep the assets? You know, are they in this business? Are they in that business? Do we license it back and forth? And that gets complicated. I don't want to go too far into that rabbit hole, but your intellectual property needs to live within the business. So that trademarked thing um, should live within the business and not just in your head. So it has to become something that lives outside of you, the founder, in order for it to be valuable enough to sell down the road. And you know this world a lot better than me. I'm just speaking from the little bits that I've learned recently. (laughs) Um, But uh, my thought is often, how could this sell? Is there enough value in here? And, uh, you know, a big community can be valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, just with the resources or, or people and connections they're willing to buy. And then also, do you have courses where the intellectual property is owned um, mm-hmm. in that corporation? So if it's sold, it's owned by the new owner, not licensed. You can't have right. everything purchased. Um, right. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I'm glad yeah. that you mentioned a community. I actually later today have, a, uh, I'm talking to a woman who works at Mighty Networks, and we're going to talk about mm-hmm. uh, how they Good. help 
our community there. That's a great so, app. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned, yeah, answered my next question, which is, of course, this is a very meta podcast, female mm-hmm. founders talking about build, building businesses that can be sold someday. And I'm one of those female founders who's hoping to build a business you can sell someday. So for you, are you building your business so you can sell it someday? I am. Yeah. And I think that's why, like, even just in the last month or two, I'm moving as I'm positioning myself as founder of Boost LD, founder of the Boost Learning Community, which is a space, you know, for people to gather, to learn about creating learning, op- you know, learning events. And there's courses in there, but Munya Horner lives outside of that. Mm-hmm. And she can, you know, do her podcast. She can work for companies if she wants to work for them. And I'm working now for practical learning, which is awesome because it's an area I get to, you know, explore and deepen and help more people in a slightly different way. So I'm absolutely building boost as a business that can grow, that could sell. Um, because yeah, that that's always been a goal of mine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was the trend because I have been operating as Aaron Austin law for many, mm-hmm. many years. And so I have, uh, you know, recently, uh, added the think beyond IP as a separate mm-hmm. brand that is different from the legal services that I provide to providing the, um, you know, IP kind of asset development and protection and exploitation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, um, it's, it, it is exciting and it does, it absolutely is a mindset shift, you know, like many lawyers, you know, as a lawyer selling my time <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and now like building, products and services that can be, you know, not just other lawyers can, can, um, de- de- uh, deliver, but also my team can help me deliver as well. So exactly. No, I think it's really smart. Mm-hmm. I grew up, you know, watching my dad build his business where only he could do the work. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, well, what happens dad? Like when you don't want to do this anymore, then what? Yeah. You what, know, and like, still doing it? What, yeah, still doing it. I okay. mean, try influencing your parents, right? <laughs> At a certain point you realize, you know what, I'm just going to go live my life. <laughs> well, you know, exactly. Yeah. But, um, say, I always wondered at that. Yeah. Well, you know what people say, I'll say like, oh, I'm never going to sell my business. It's, you know, my baby, I'll, you know, take, but there will come a time when it's not just a matter of want to retire, but just wanting to do something else. Like there'd be totally. something else that like, oh my God, that is so interesting. Something that you maybe can't even imagine right now, but yeah. that you'll want to be able to move on to the next chapter, I like to call it. And yeah. like, what are you going to do with this chapter? You're just going to close it off and stick it. Or are you going to like, if well, exactly. like, it's providing value, yeah. why not have it continue on? Shouldn't it? it live on? And that's the, that's the crossroads I find myself at right mm-hmm. now at the time of recording here at the end of April is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want boost to do its thing now that it's been two years getting set up to this point. And I'm super excited to be stepping into a new chapter and exploring mm-hmm. something that is you know, a company I've loved for a long time, probably 10 years, I've loved practical learning. So I'm really excited to be also going down that route. And yeah, it frees us up to do what we want to do, what we want to do. You know, there are times in my life where I want to just spend some time with my family. Why shouldn't my business be able to be sold so I can do that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I like to look at it as it provides a resource for whatever else you want to pursue. There's mm, nothing love it. about that. I mean, so, no. so yeah. So as we wrap up, I have a couple of final questions for you. Okay. One is, you know, the mission and the reason I started hourly to exit is to help 
uh, create a more economically uh, uh, just society. Mm -hmm. And so we love to talk about organizations and people who are doing work that support more economic equality. So I'm wondering if you have an organization that you'd love to share with the audience. Okay. Well, um, an organization that I like to support locally here um, is Cornerstone Family Violence Protection. I feel like I should have looked up the exact name. I always just call it Cornerstone, (laughs) Um, but it's a wonderful place for women and families who are escaping violent situations to be able to get the support they need. So I've often donated there. Um, My husband's in law enforcement. So, you know, I get to hear a lot about the victim side of things. Um, And a very close friend runs our local police victims services. And so, yeah, I, I do like to support these local initiatives because they're very close to home. And I do love, and I think it's important because often we have turmoil right in our own town and we forget about that, that there's very needy people right in our own backyard. Yeah. That, so, that yeah is, that's when I love to, <laughs> to yeah. support. And that's a great point about, uh, you know, even when we live in fairly affluent communities, there's always kind of that dark side that we don't see. You know, I live in a county that's one of, Oh yeah, one of the most affluent counties in you know the country kind of thing. But we have zero <laughs> affordable housing here. Like it's always something, you know. And there's you know, and uh, and so it's there's always a need. So in your always location. a need, yeah. And I and I hear it daily <laughs> through my husband's work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, my sort of sensitive heart goes often to you know the people affected by the regular violence that happens even in nice neighborhoods that you don't know goes on. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. So do you have uh, an offer you'd like to share with our audience? Yes. So right now I would say, please, if you are an entrepreneur or a person who is creating learning offers, come to my website, boostld.com and um, click the button to join the community. It's free. It's a baby community that's growing, um, but it's mighty with the networks and the, the freelancers that are available there and lots of free content, um, fairly well organized for you to find. So please join the boost learning community. And if you're interested in, um, partnering, you want to bring, um, my course on how to create your own learning offer into your program, don't hesitate to reach out to me if you'd like to, you know, learn more about that partnership. So that's all I'm offering right now. Um, but it's high value for people, very specific. And, um, if you're, you know, please do connect on LinkedIn. Cause that's where you'll see all of my, you know, activity is there. <laughs> you know, I meant to ask you, you said that your community is a LinkedIn group. Mm-hmm. And how is that work? I just kind of have ignored LinkedIn groups, honestly, like, Um, yeah, I'm not sure. So it's working because what I didn't want to do was create something brand new. I Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to get um, too complicated. So I thought, okay, LinkedIn is where a lot of us are already. It's a great way to connect and messaging. So it's got the built-in messaging. It's a great place to connect with other people who you think, Ooh, I want to connect with them and maybe, you know, work with them, hire them. You know, you can do LinkedIn lives there. There's lots of ways that you can, um, you can communicate with the people in the group. I'm sure it won't be forever, but right now it's free and everyone's there. So I just (laughs) thought I'd go where everyone is, Uh um, rather than pulling them out to, to, you know, another app for now until, until I figure out how I want to 
you know, really continue to serve this best. I don't want to create something and hope it works for people. I'd like to create something that people are asking for. Right. Got it. I'm going to check in with you to see how that's going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So finally, so you mentioned, I was going to ask you, where can people find you? I know they can find you on LinkedIn. Are there any other places that you hang out that? Yeah. Um, LinkedIn I'm on Instagram Mm. and, um, also I have my podcast, your greatest work. I've been on a really like short pause there. I had about a month where I've been creating new content. Um, but yeah, my podcast is called your greatest work or find me on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. This has been a fantastic conversation. I know the audience got tons of uh, great insight from it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Erin. Talk soon. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.